Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Creating Space, a podcast in which we explore what it means to create space for God in our lives and as a church. This is a ministry of the Northern Lights Ministry Collaborative here in Crookston, Minnesota. And this week, we're talking about worship. And I am lucky enough to be here with our very own George French. George, how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you, Mike. It's my pleasure to be here. George, you have been leading worship here at Trinity for 40 years this year. That's right? You know, that is correct. My first Sunday here was actually Rally Sunday, and that was in 1982. So I guess if we do the arithmetic, um, yeah, I guess we're looking at four decades. And then in addition to leading worship and doing music here, tell us a little bit about what you do over at the university. So um, as uh, my position uh, entails directing the uh, campus choir, which usually numbers between 15 and 25, depending on the semester. And then we also offer a music uh, minor. So uh, during the course of the year, I'll teach uh, introduction to music, and then we have a rock and jazz music class and music theory. We have some piano students, and we uh, generally do a couple of theater productions each year. Uh, this fall, uh, we're working on the musical called The Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, and then we're going to do some puppet theater in the uh, spring semester. So every year is a little bit different, and um still working out there and enjoying it very much. I really uh, have always enjoyed working with college students. So you have done musicals, you've done jazz, you've done what sounds like most kinds of music at the university, here in the church, and lots of other places. What is it about music that that drives you? When I started at Augsburg, I had... uh, the hopes and dreams of being a dentist, and I realized that wasn't going to work out so well for me. George, I cannot imagine you as a dentist. (laughs) Well, I guess I can't either. (laughs) And um, then I uh, started to major in political science and pre-law, but, you know, the whole time I uh, took music theory and played piano and enjoyed it, and I guess I kind of realized that uh, music was uh, what I really enjoyed doing. In the Christian church, we talk about being born again. I think it's there's those born-again experiences in music that um, I always look forward to and just to see what is out there and what is more to learn. Hmm. So this series is looking at the different ways that we make space for God. What is a way that you have experienced God in worship? Well, I have learned so much from the pastors and from the leadership of this church. And there are certain things that I uh, uh, have been able to take uh, take away. Pastor Leo Biorle, who was the pastor at Memorial Lutheran Church in St. Paul, where I first started to play the organ, he encouraged me to play the organ in high school. In fact, he said, George, you need to play the organ. Lovely (laughs) little pipe organ down there. And I remember when I was playing a funeral, and he, something I I, I can't forget, he said, um, this is somebody who had passed away at maybe a younger age than what we like to think of a person's life. And 
And Leo said, you know, it really doesn't make so much difference how long you live, but it's how wide you live. Hmm. You know, those are wonderful words uh, as far as when we think of our journey here on earth. And um, how, so, do, how do you think worship and especially your role with music helps people live wider? You know, I think that uh, one thing which has been um, part of this congregation and, and many others has been uh, the, the the changing tastes in worship music hmm. to some extent. Um, and I think that um, certainly some of these songs that have a very simple message are those that maybe people take with them going home. What would you say to people that say, "Well, I just don't like that kind of music," or "I just, I just don't connect with those songs"? Sometimes there can be various reasons um, for a person's like or dislike. Um, could be the tempo. Maybe it's too fast. Um, maybe I'm playing it too fast, and then the congregation cannot quite get the words. So sometimes I might be playing it too fast and the, the congregation, you know, quite can't get the words. I, I always enjoy when, um, somebody who is part of worship will approach me after service and, and say something, you know, I really think maybe you'll play that a little bit too fast. You like when people do that. Oh, yes. Or I like I'm going <laughs> to play it too slow. And then the other thing, and I don't do this enough personally. Uh, when it comes to worship, um, I don't mind when things are kind of mixed up. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, that's, um, there's, you know, we sing it was one of those old songs. What a friend we have in Jesus. And then along with that, maybe the next one is something which is much more contemporary, much faster, something like that. I suppose it kind of depends on the person. Hmm. Good. Good question. It's something that um, there's no easy answer. It's something that I, it, it's a constant process. I think of the church as evolving, evolving in the right direction. Um, mm -hmm. And as long as the glory goes to God through Jesus Christ, I mean, that is the ultimate, what we need to be trying to do the very best that we can. Um, but it's listening to the voices in the congregation. Yeah, I think one of the difficulties is not just for those of us who are leading up front, but also for those who are coming to participate in worship is on the one hand, we know that it's not about us, right? We know that we don't come to worship for ourselves. We come to worship because it's a chance to open ourselves up and to be about that which is beyond us, right? whether it's the rest of the community, the people around us, the God that gathers us or the Jesus that takes us forward from there, right? Unlike a concert, we don't go there because of what I'm going to get. We go there because there's a sense of I'm giving myself to this thing, right? You know, that is, um, you know, Mike, you just really hit the nail on the head. Um, we're not performers. Hmm. Um if there's one thing that I doesn't happen very often, um, 
because we're fortunate at Trinity to have a wonderful pipe organ and good music leadership amongst many and a very fine piano. Uh, but if I can be playing and bring the organ down, maybe soft enough so that the congregation overpowers the organ, hmm. that is, there's wonderful satisfaction in that. Uh, so you're right. It, it isn't about us as performers or as the featured speakers or that type of thing. It's about communicating, communicating the Word of God and communicating the Holy Spirit and the Son. That's, um, hmm. that's really what it's, what it's all about, I think, as, as long as we remember that. That's what it's all about. Hmm. You know, I think we're, I think we're there. I remember when I was living in New Jersey with my family and I was working at a, a smaller church there right after Hurricane Katrina came through and all the power was out. Most of the streets uh, were impassable. This is a pretty small town where most people walked to, to church. So that first Sunday, we couldn't be in the sanctuary um, because of some damage. And so we were in this kind of side basement room and the person who led music uh, came down with, uh, I don't even know what it was called, but it was like a tiny little piano um, that ran off of batteries. And we did everything in there for about three weeks. And for years afterwards, when we would talk about what do you want in worship or what's been some special experiences in worship, people would go back to those three Sundays and how much they loved it and how much what an impact on ha they had on it and they just kept saying i just felt like god was in the room i don't know why i just felt like god was in the room and i think a lot of it was one because people were coming there for each other it was a way for them to connect um and also they knew that we kind of had this program where people would talk about what they had and what they needed and there's lots of sharing uh but also it took away that expectation of performance an expectation of um, I'm going to be here as long as it's, it's my style, but if that stops, I'm out, right? They let that go and they were able to experience something new, something way more lasting. Can you tell me a story of a time that you've really experienced God in worship? I think that, um, you know, going back so, so many years, <laughs> Never thought I'd be saying for so many years. <laughs> um, and there certainly have been multiple occasions when I have uh, felt um, maybe a, a special lifting up out of the pew, lifting mm -hmm. up off of the organ bench, um, and to try to think of one particular time that that really stands out um, is going to be a little difficult for me. Hmm. Um, but I will say this, that um, as far as the um, congregation, um, I think it has been times when there is a feeling in the room that everybody is just one with God. Hmm. 
I, I can't really describe it. Maybe it's during a song. Maybe it's during a temple talk. Maybe it's during the sermon. Maybe it's even during the Lord's Prayer. But there is, uh, there is, I mean, God is with us all the time, but those times in which we feel that there's an enhancement mm. <laughs> and it's because of where people um, exactly, you know, might be at. Um, I think those would be uh, those would be the times and, and it does happen. You know, it really does happen quite often. There's a story early in the Old Testament in which Moses is going up onto the mountain in order to meet God. And God tells him to put himself in a cleft in a rock, in a crack in a rock, and that God will pass by him. And that he shouldn't open his eyes until, or that God will hold his hand in front of Moses so Moses can't see him as he's passing by, but then take his hand away so he can see his backside as he's leaving. And God does so, and after Moses sees the back of God, he glows and he goes down and he tells the people about this. And it seems like a really, really bizarre story. But a lot of the um, rabbis who would would write and speak on it would talk about how we cannot see God, especially in the future. We can never see God coming. And oftentimes, we can't even really see God in the moment. When we see God is as when when we look back on the past. And I wonder if we, when we make space for God, we are expecting God to show up and us to feel it and us to see it and something to be fixed. And we so we know that that was worth it. And then we go away and we'll keep going back as long as we have that feeling. All the while, maybe that's just not how God works. Maybe when we create space for God, especially in worship, what we're doing takes time. Right, and it and it lives within the experience of our past, and so then when we are your age, what you do is you look back and you don't remember kind of the big flashy moments, right? What you remember is the whole, all the times you sat in the pews with your family, all the times you saw your friends, the songs you sang a hundred times until you're sick of them, and now they hit you differently the the smell of the room the flow of the the service the funerals the weddings right? all the stuff that in the moment you might have just been thinking about okay what's happening next or oh this isn't as entertaining as watching tea would be why am i here but what you've done is create space that god fills in not while you're experiencing it but as it becomes more and more of the past that creates you. And I hear I hear that as you're describing all your different experiences of, of worship over the years. And I especially feel that as I sit with a lot of older people who talk about church and about what it's me- meant to them. And it's always that it it holds the holiness of their life. You know, you know, that, that that's a good point, um, because 
that is what um, the the memories of that those experiences and of the church, but it also the fact I kind of feel to in fact I don't kind of feel I do definitely feel that worship also needs to be fun. Hmm. We really, you know, we go to church, but to glorify God is something which is enjoyable. And uh, so whenever we can put something in there which in which the congregation laughs and claps and shouts and maybe raises our arms. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Lutheran church, maybe we don't do all of <laughs> Not that. Not a whole lot of arm raising. You know, what up. But, you know, I think those are those are the services that I think uplift people, that the joy of being a Christian, that joy of glorifying God, that joy of putting God first is something which we can be happy, we can be kind of noisy about. Hmm. Is uh, We learn about ourselves and learn about where we should be going and where we have been. Uh, that's what church is all about, hmm. really is. I feel very, very fortunate, very blessed. When do you have the most fun, or what do you have the most fun doing? Is I guess I have become a, a little less formal. Hmm. Um, and um, so... Um, as far as improvising, um, I think I do a little bit more of that, a little bit more freedom. Musical terms like articulation and that type of thing, I've, um, when I think of the way maybe I played 20, 30 years ago, I think, oh, I'm sure glad I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I mean, that's just kind of, kind of how that goes. So, um, Sometimes I have fun when it comes to the walking music. What is the walking music? Well, it's kind of like those times when when we have the children, the wonderful children coming up for the children's service, and there's got to be something in there. What am I going to play? Let's jazz up Amazing Grace. Hmm. I've never used that chord before. Well, this is a chance to do it. Nobody's singing it. I'm not going to throw anybody. <laughs> <laughs> when you bring yourself to it. Yeah. yeah in the it, moment. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think everybody feels that you know yeah. that spontaneity, little spontaneity in worship. I think is good. I think that's one of the beautiful ironies of the idea of creating space for God and how worship does it, is that the space for God isn't made more pronounced by perfection, right? By the the liturgy being more perfect, the music being more perfect, the order being more perfect, people speaking being more perfect. What makes it more pronounced is people bringing themselves to it, right? The kids yelling out random but honest things, you bringing in different um, ways of doing music that you enjoy, uh, Pastor Greg really expressing himself, and, and you can tell when when it's coming from the heart and he's enjoying himself. I feel like that's when everyone experiences God in a more full way. You know, that is so true. And as far as using the word perfect, um, we're not there. Hmm. Thank heavens we're not there. We'll, we'll never be there. As long as we have that right attitude, that um, it, it kind of takes the edge off now, doesn't it? Yeah. It kind of takes the pressure off of that. Well, there's a mistake there. Right. God is still praised. <laughs> right. It's almost like 
if you want more God in the room, then you need more grace in the room. If you want more grace in the room, then people got to make mistakes. A perfect room needs no grace. Absolutely. There, there we have it. Right. Yeah. There. I'm, I, I got to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. How do you think Jesus would lead worship if he was born in, and lived in Crookston today? Well, now, there's a, there's a very interesting question. Um, but uh, right away, I think of Trinity Point. I don't know why that is. Um, there's something about the acoustics in that room and whatever, everything. It's a very, very lively type of thing. And for folks, folks that don't know, Trinity Point is the campsite that Trinity Church runs uh, out on – which lake is it? It's out at Maple Lake. Out on Maple Lake. And, yeah. and there's a um, a structure there that they have church in each week. Yeah. So now let's take let's – take, uh, Let's take Jesus out of the shelter and let's put him in front of the shelter. And there is a cross. I love the cross that stands in front of that shelter. Actually, it came from Camp Shalom, which was another church camp on the lake some years ago. That's a whole other story. But that's how we got that cross. So now I see Jesus standing next to that cross or at the cross or near the cross mm-hmm. and looking down at the shoreline. And now I see the Trinity congregation looking up at Jesus because that's one of the few hills we have around here. And I guess I would kind of see that kind of a picture of Jesus preaching in that kind of a setting. And I suppose maybe it's because when we read about the Sermon Mm -hmm. on the Mount and all of these others— I guess I could maybe envision that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us to make this conversation more complete? Well, making my my living in music um, has been um, certainly the best decision that I could ever have made. And I know of other musicians. I I don't think I talk to very many people in music who regret Hmm. having been involved with it, whether or not they're amateurs or professionals or that type of thing. And so much of that has been my, um, what I've been able to do here at Trinity church. Um, playing the organ and the piano every week, and I uh, generally will come here a couple of times uh, during the week. Many times it's kind of late at night, and uh, the church is quiet, and have that opportunity to play, to think, and to sometimes laugh and cry and get mad at myself sometimes for making too many mistakes or whatever that is. And that has kept me as an active musician because even though I already mentioned it's not a performance, um, I have to sort of keep the fingers going. i got to keep the feet going and that type of thing. So uh, that opportunity to live my life with the practice and the um, playing of music and how important Trinity Church 
has been with that is something I'm extremely grateful for, will always be grateful for, and continue to be grateful for for um, as long as God uh, puts me in the position and the health and the abilities to to do that. I and I have to point out that you've also been playing and leading worship over at First Presbyterian Church for many, many years, and I know that how incredibly appreciative they are of you over there over there, and how much they love having you be a part of them as well. Yeah, thank you for, for mentioning that, too. That has been part of the joy of uh, being part of the music here. I believe it was Plato who said that music is the language of the soul. And so it makes sense that it is such a huge part of how we worship together. And so to you, George, for the last 40 years, for what you've done at Trinity, for what you've done at First Presbyterian, for all the generations, you have helped people learn how to speak that soul language through the university. Um, I want to thank you on behalf of all of us and the space for God that you've made possible. Uh, you are truly, you truly are a gift. And I'm glad that we get to celebrate you um, on this coming Sunday. It's right. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me today. And thank you to everyone who's tuning in this week. Join us next week as we talk about prayer with Sister Anita from Mount St. Benedict Monastery. I have a feeling she's going to have a lot of really interesting things to share with us as someone who's devoted her entire life to prayer. You can continue to find these podcasts anywhere that you find others, as well as on our website, where you will also find a link to our YouTube page, if that's easier for you as well. But until then, God bless and have fun making space for God. Goodbye.